Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. There's Hunter Juracek joining us. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Um, so we'll get to some more of this in a little bit here and uh, appreciate everybody sharing their thoughts on the weekend. A lot of, uh, you know, I haven't seen one email about or one text line about the uh, the Cowboys game yet. What's Wes, the deal? But, I don't know. It's weird. Well, we can spend the next hour talking about the Cowboys. I, that would make me want to throw up. Uh, Hunter Juracek joining us now. Good to see you, sir. How are you? Good to see you. So people have been sharing their thoughts with you this morning? Oh, yeah, yes. a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, I was thinking this morning as I was getting ready, I'm like, what's a harder act to follow? Tony Dorsett, Peyton Manning, or uh, coming here after the, uh, the the weekend that you guys just had up there? So it, it's we, we were really anticipating a really uh, pleasant conversation. We can have one, but, yeah, there's some frustration among the fan base, sure. you might imagine. You know what? There's no more frustration among the fan base than there is in the locker room of our football program. I promise you that. So, a lot of missed opportunities. That was a team that you know they did a lot of good things. Outplayed them. You know, when you look at total yardage and things like that, and boy, penalties. That was. Uh, was I was still in West. I'm like, I'm not even mad. I'm almost impressed. I mean, you really have to. Uh, I mean, that's that's hard to believe. You look at 14 yeah. penalties in a game. Sure. I mean, you have to control the controllables, and penalties are one of the controllables. I mean, they will happen during the course of the game, but uh, we had some undisciplined penalties um, that just shouldn't happen, um, and they happened. And, um, you know, we're paying the price by being 2-1 and one and having lost that game 38-31. Um, and the penalties were a contributor, obviously, to that, not the sole reason yeah. uh, for, for sure. But, um, yeah, th- those things, um, we have a really good football team. Uh, but we're not at a level where we can have 14 penalties and still expect to beat a very good BYU team. While we're talking about the penalties, uh, it was a big 12 uh, officiating crew, and the, just the optics of it, the way it looks. When Is that something, should we uh, look at that and maybe have, and I know that's how it works. When you're out there, you take on the road the SEC officials, but the, just the optics of it, if there's a bad call, it's like, oh, that's a big 12 officials. They're, they're calling it for the big 12 team. Should we maybe have officials from uh, the ACC, like in a bowl game or something, neutral site for these non-conference yeah, games? Yeah, I mean, that, that may be a better idea than what we do now. Um, and, you know, fans during the course of the football season are always critical of our SEC officials. Uh, what I will tell you, you saw Saturday night uh, the difference between, in my opinion, what an SEC crew and a Big 12 crew. I think we've got the best officials um, in the country. They don't get everything right, but they're the best officials in the country. And um, it takes a game like this for us to realize that what what we have in our officiating crews for sure yeah there were some a couple of questionable calls maybe I'll leave it at that maybe i'll leave it at that as well yeah i'll talk about it i thought it was ridiculous <laughs> um so what about this week are you do you travel to all the games i do i do i, I will stay in town on uh, friday night we have a volleyball match or sec opener so i'll stay there we'll take a few donors down on the university plane on saturday afternoon we'll catch up with the team at the team hotel and then follow them over. I'll host that group down on the sidelines and then in my suite. Um, and then I'll text, I'll travel with the team to Texas A&M on that Friday. Gotcha. Do you have a favorite trip you like to make in the SEC? Oh, there are, we, we've got all really good uh, communities in the SEC. They're all fun places to go with fun environments. Uh, fans, for the most part, treat you well everywhere you go. I don't necessarily have a favorite. They're all really cool places to go. Mm-hmm. We just had a caller call in talking about Texas and Oklahoma. He's concerned about their addition because obviously they're having a good year so far this year. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. What, what do you think the overall impact will be as they enter the league here in the next year? Yeah. Well, two really good athletic programs entering 
our conference. Uh, two really good brands. I mean, obviously, Texas appears like they've got their football program heading in the right direction. Oklahoma appears to have their football program headed in the right direction. But they also have many other really good sports within their athletic program. So they're, they're a great addition to, and just going to make the SEC stronger and tougher from a competition standpoint. Where are you on uh, naming rights for the stadium? Yeah, we're just in the preliminary stages of put, putting together our materials um, and going, getting ready to go out and make some presentations to um, families and entities within the state of Arkansas for that. The, the naming rights expire June 30th of 2024. Doesn't mean that we have to have a name on there by July 1st of 2024, but uh, we're starting to head down that path and investigate um, who may have an interest in that. Do you guys set the number or do you take bids? How does that work? Well, we had an evaluation done that if a corporate partner uh, name came up and named the stadium, we, we had a group that said that was a value of 3 to $4 million on an annual basis over a 10- to 15-year period. Um, if you have private entities or families uh, that name that stadium, I think that would garner a, a little bit more than that. So if the buzz did it, we could get it for $3.5 million? What's that? If the buzz did it, we could get it for three and a half. You million. got it right. We cut you. you we cut you a deal. Yeah, I mean that seems. Uh, like does a, that work for you guys? It'd be great marketing for yeah. us. We'll go ahead and wrap that up today if it does. I don't think the other radio stations are going to like it very much, but I think it'd be a great investment for us from a marketing standpoint. How important is that? Uh, like on your grand scheme of things that you're working on, how big is this to get it done? Well, it's significant. And um, when you talk about it, I mean at the at the at the floor of this three and a half to four million dollars on an annual basis as we move forward and. Uh, strategize how to generate more revenue. That's more revenue that's guaranteed over the next 10 to 15 years. So it, it is a, a significant push for us to get that done. Um, much of that money will be used uh, toward a renovation to Bud Walton Arena. That's kind of the the anchor in our fundraising campaign to launch our fundraising campaign for, for Bud Walton Arena. While it would be tied to the name of the football stadium, uh, the resources that are generated from that would go towards the renovation to Bud Walton Arena. That was actually my next question. Where Where is the renovation? How far along are we on the plans? Yeah, we've had uh, now uh, to date three meetings with our architects and general contractors since the board approved um, their contracts in, in early uh, late June, early July. Um, so we are hope to get to our board in March of 2024 with a recommendation on how to move forward with that renovation. What are your must-haves? Do you have a list of things that you're like, are there absolutes in the renovation? Well, there's about 10 major must-haves that are deferred maintenance. It needs a new roof. It needs a new plane surface. That's a 31-year-old court that has been sanded as many times as it can be sanded down. We need a new HVAC system, electrical system, plumbing. Uh, the tile on the concourse needs to be replaced. Bathroom stalls, urinals need to be replaced. And, of course, you've sat in the seats there, stained, torn, and tattered. They need to be replaced. So that's the bare minimum. Um, that's a deferred maintenance, and that's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 to $50 million. And I haven't really named anything that's terribly sexy. Yeah, no, I was just no, going to say, you know, that's like replacing windows in your house. No fun. Yeah, it's no fun. <laughs> yeah. So um, to complement that, you know, we'd like to create a, a club level that's got a full-service restaurant and bar uh, that feeds down to some club seating. We'd like to move our student seats, if possible, at least a 1,000 of them, baseline to baseline to create that atmosphere. If we take those 1,000 student seats from upstairs and move them downstairs, 
can we create kind of a bar type of standing room uh, scene upstairs in the end zone like we've had a lot of success if you've seen big reds uh, now in football and, and Mackey's bases load landing at baseball those seem to be very appealing and so those are some things we've asked the architect to study and evaluate for us to see if they fit from a cost and return on your investment uh, perspective the bar, the bar situation at uh, War Memorial, or War how about Razorback Stadium? Let's try that. Um, is that uh, just Friday and, and game days? Is that right? Or is it, are there yeah. going to be other days, expanded hours? What's yeah. the thought on that? So, you know, we're, we're going to probably look at doing a, a road game where we put the game up on the video board and have that, have that bar open uh, for, for a road game or two. So we're, we're going to use this fall to really try some different things and see what really works and re- doesn't work and then kind of evaluate that plan moving forward. But uh, that's an area that we created that we want to use several times during the course of the year other than just game day yeah i would think so it's great um our, our listeners are very very intrigued by bars so i had to ask that question i already slipped about my next question and i as everybody knows the contracts with a&m and in dallas and then obviously the war memorial contractor are up i mean what i'm sure there's been thought process about it do we have any definitive conversations about this yet or is it still in in consideration yeah. so so what we know is the texas a&m uh, arkansas contract at AT&T Stadium, it will end next year. That's 2024. That will be the last year of that contract. A&M has ex- expressed that they don't want to reengage in that. And so that game in the future, beginning in 2025, will move back to campus locations. We have games in Little Rock UAPB in 24, Arkansas State in 25. And then we're just kind of in a holding pattern with our schedule until the SEC determines are we going to have an eight- or a nine-game schedule? Is there going to be a Power 5 requirement in addition to that eight- or nine-game conference schedule? And then we'll, we'll work on our scheduling model for 26 and beyond once we have that determination. What are you in favor of on the, on the schedule? Yeah, so the eight- or nine-SEC game schedule works for us, but a nine-game schedule with a Power 5 requirement, I don't know that the University of Arkansas football program is, is – built to have 10 power five games and then two additional games for your 12 game schedule you're going to probably get this because i sent the clip to david but Deion sanders recently was uh interviewed and he was talking to joel klatt about collectives and you have expressed frustrations or or concerns i guess about that in the past um can you just give us your thoughts on that are you still there because i was surprised to hear him say that he's very in favor of nil uh, but he's not a real big fan of the collective concept. Yeah, so so NIL, the way it was intended, that if you're a student athlete and you have a value attached to your name, image, and likeness that a business product, product or service wants to pay you to endorse their business product or service in a legitimate fashion, that's the good part of NIL that student athletes should have an opportunity for. What we saw as administrators, and we couldn't get the guardrails up fast enough because it came fast and furious, was this collective piece where donors have come together third-party entities that are using collectives as an inducement to young men and women to come to their institutions and then really a pay-for-play piece that we've got to get our arms around. So NIL, the way it was intended, is really, really good for student-athletes, and that's the good part. But the, the, the collective piece, that's what we've got to really wrap our arms around because we have no control of that. Those are donors that uh, are, are really running that entity. We set ours up a little bit differently um, within the Razorback Foundation because we wanted to be a little closer attached to it. Um, so I, I think we're doing it better than anybody and in com- compliance better than anybody um, because it is attached to a Razorback Foundation. 
Oh, let me follow that up. On the collective, when they sign with this collective, the player is not doing anything to earn that money for the collective. It's just something yeah. they're given? Uh, that's what I've been told happens at other schools. That does not happen at the University of Arkansas because our one Arkansas collective uh, will enter into an ambassador agreement with our student-athletes. They are tied to a charitable organization within the state of Arkansas, or in the case with K.J. Jefferson, he did the United Way in Mississippi for flood relief last year. And so he gets paid to help these um, charitable organizations raise money for their organization or a baseball player going out and doing a youth clinic on a Saturday morning um, at the local baseball field. So mm. we, we are requiring all of our student athletes to our collective to do work. Um, one, that one Arkansas collective, when they sign ambassador agreements, they're tracking that work that's being done um, and not uh, providing the resources to the student athlete until they fulfilled that requirement. I can't speak for other schools. I don't, I'm not at other schools, but I've, we've had student-athletes that have transferred uh, to the University of Arkansas that are surprised that they have to go out and do something to actually earn that money. You know what? We can certainly relate to that as guys who sit and yammer for a living, so uh, I don't know about all that. That real work stuff, I'm out on that. <laughs> um, do, you know, we, there was talk on Capitol Hill. I know there's been conversations there. I'm not sure that they're, they're polling the right people necessarily or picking the right brains, but I know some people have some strong opinions. Do you see that as the path? to getting your arms around this as a as some sort of uh, guidelines for the nation, or do you think there's a better way to do it? Well, what, what has happened, and we have done the same in Arkansas, that we've worked with the state legislative body to create name, image, and likeness laws within the state of Arkansas that work for the University of Arkansas and the other schools within the footprint of our state. The, every other school in the SEC has done the same thing. So just in the SEC footprint, there's 11 states operating under 11 different NIL rules. So the only way you preempt the state laws is Congress creates a federal law where we all we all operated under the same nil laws and so yes um federal legislation is the way we can get that under control because there's roughly 50 different states working under 50 different nil laws. not yeah. roughly 50 different there's 50 different states working under 50 different nil laws mm. is there anything that just the sec could do as a conference we, we, we could um, we could um, all um, agree to the same state legislation and then the SEC could create legislation that follows that state legislation, and we all agree to operate under those principles. Um, that is something we, we have discussed. If you can't get federal intervention, the SEC as a leader um, in college athletics could work with our 11 state government bodies to create identical legislation within each of our states, and then the SEC could create the legislation to enforce that for us. I have one more, and it's back to scheduling. What is the timeline for deciding the eight or nine? When when should something be done? Bob? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we have our 2024 schedule. We're in the 23 season. 2024 is set at eight games, and so we've got to get to the 2025 schedule. So I would say sometime now between our destined meetings next spring that we'll have decision on eight versus nine games. I'm going to ask you one last thing. It's our question of the day today, and I have not put it out there yet on the air. What was your favorite thing from the game on Saturday? There were some bright spots. I'm trying to be cup half full over here. Yeah, I think we have a dynamic punt and kickoff returner in Isaiah Satangian. My, my son played with him at Fayetteville High School. I, I've kind of watched him since his freshman year to see him. I've seen him in practice do that. We saw him in the fall at a scrimmage return a kickoff 105 yards. Um, he is a dynamic returner, and to see him – Field that punt and run that back, 85, 86 yards. That was one of my favorite moments. For is he sure. running track too? Um, he is not running track right now. I mean, he is a track athlete. Yeah. He just—it's really challenging to do both. Somebody posted the video of him winning the uh, state championship in, in uh, hurdles. hurdles yeah. I mean, the dude yeah. is just a freak. He's, he is. He's something for so, sure. Anyway, there you go. I like that too. All right, I appreciate the time very much, Hunter. We'll look forward to hearing 
You talking to David, I'm sure he doesn't have very many good questions, but do the best you can with him, okay? <laughs> well, just recycle your guys' questions. They were good. There you go. Appreciate okay. that. Thank you. All right, that is Hunter Yurchek, your athletic director at the University of Arkansas, guest speaker today here at the Little Rock Touchdown Club.